Welcome to the Pope on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is... I am the Pope in question. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing, probably worth a Google. This is episode 285 of our podcast. We recorded our first episode in October of 2014, and we are still going... Well, I wouldn't say strong. We're still puttering along. Yes, we are. Which, which is uh, pretty impressive. And oh, how the tables have turned! Who is the one with the beautiful top hat now? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I meant to tell you that that top hat is copyrighted, so I'll I'll be expecting a check in the mail. Well, mine has a ribbon on it, so mine is completely different. Completely I, different. Jeannie got me the monkey hat for Christmas, and I just had to wear the monkey hat for the show. Well, my wife got my wife got me the top hat and the suit for solstice. For solstice. For yeah, which is good because I was able to wear it while I was recording all of my Christmas episodes, which why, is good. Why has she decided on solstice? She's she's not a big fan of any major holiday. Cuz a lot of the ho- major holidays are religious and she has a big problem with that. And you know, why should we celebrate Easter when not Christian? Why right. should we celebrate Thanksgiving because Americans are shit? Why should we celebrate the birth of Jesus? And she makes a fine fine point. I mean, well, well, yes, but but for me, it seems like Yule is the least amount of work. You could still have the tree and lights, and you know, burn things, and and you have Santa Claus type characters. Did. Yeah, and we did, we did, we did do all of that. We did do all of that, but before Christmas, my wife had some winter solstice gifts for all of us and mine was an amazing suit and top hat and cane and i spent an entire week uh barging into people's rooms yelling a goose a cooked goose and shaking my cane and it was a whole bunch of fun so uh now if we were if we were in old testament times okay then every present you get just foreskins yeah, yeah. Just a pretty much. box of foreskins. Yeah. I, so, why why uh, do people not question their God about who who has a hang-up with foreskins? Yeah, yeah. Uh, penis cozies. Penis cozies. So, yeah, penis cozies. So I've got a really great episode. We're going to be playing a game. We're going to be talking about dead people. I've got a very complicated shap that I think is fun. And then a slightly updated uh, movie discussion. Uh, So let's get right into it, shall we? Yes. I have a fun game for us to play. I'm super duper excited to play this fun game with you, Bunny. But first, 
I need to discuss something before we get to the game. Sort of like an intro to the game. Bunny, did you know that musician Eric Clapton is a fucking asshole who can rot in hell for a million eternities? I did actually know that, yes. So in 1976, Eric Clapton was doing a concert in England, and during the concert, and this is true, he asked for all foreigners to raise their hands, and then with their hands up, he told them to leave, and I quote, not just leave the hall, leave our country, I don't want you here, and then went on a nasty rant that basically lasted for the entire concert before finally saying, keep Britain white. Really? Now, stories Whoa, of what, when was this? Yeah. 74? Uh, 1976. Oh. 1976. Stories of this rant have circulated for years, and a lot of times uh, Eric Clapton fans have dismissed the this uh, story because no audio or video recordings of this rant exist. So if you're a big fan of Layla... Yeah. Or uh, Tears in Heaven, you might be inclined to to not believe that Mr. Tears in Heaven uh, went on to then use racist slang terms for minorities at this 1976 concert. But uh, here's one tiny reason well, why well, you should let's believe. Well, let's not glance over either Layla, a song about how he wants to fuck his best friend's wife, and... Yes. Did, and I don't know. Me personally, Tears in Heaven has always bothered me. It's like, like, yeah, but try not to. Like, I might create something for a special commemorative kind of occasion to work out my sadness and my love and things like that. But no one else would see that, you know. So I have yeah. kind of a hard time him writing a song about his son falling to his death out of a fucking window and yeah. still kind of feeling like, mm, I could turn a profit on this. Yeah. yeah. And that song has but, always fucking uh, bothered me because of it. Yeah. Uh, my daughter, uh, Bella, was born... And she had a serious problem when she was born, and she had to rush. They had to rush her right after being born to the NICU, which is the neonatal intensive care unit, yeah. basically the emergency room for newborns. And they 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 rushed the baby in there, and I followed the baby into the NICU, and they're working on her. And they had me stand on the other side of the room as they worked on her to make sure that she wasn't going to die. And as I stood there for like a good five minutes by myself on the other side of the room somewhere in the NICU they started playing tears in heaven and I and, and I almost laughed at the horrible song choice to be playing inside of a baby emergency room yeah bad choice of music yes someone should change the cd player at the NICU Anywho, Who the uh, fuck is scoring my life? I want to speak to them right now. No freaking clue. But here is a good reason why you should believe the racist rant that Eric Clapton went on 
at that 1976 concert. Uh, just a tiny little, little fact. Eric Clapton admitted it. Okay. He and Eric Clapton himself admitted to going on that racist rant in 1976, excusing his racism by telling people that, oh, well, I was an alcoholic at the time, and that was the alcohol talking and not me. Oh, so okay. forgive for that being didn't racist. Work for Mel Gibson, you know. Well, it kind of did. He had a movie came, that just came out called Fat Man, and people were like, oh, what an amazing film. And it's like, how are we still giving him a chance? Mm-hmm. How are we still giving Mel Gibson a shot? And now Eric Clapton has teamed up with noted crazy person Van Morrison to record a surprisingly far-right anti-lockdown song yeah. called Stand and Deliver which features the lyrics, quote, you let them put the fear on you, but not a word you heard was true. <laughs> so Eric Clapton is gone now. He is a fucking asshole who can rot in hell for a million millennia. And that brings us to this week's game. Okay? Yeah. I'm very excited. For this game, I came up with it last week. I was going to use it last week, but already we had a full podcast, so I thought this will lead, this will open episode 285, and I'm super excited. The game is called Clapton or Crew. Are you ready, Bunny? Clapton or Crew, okay. Yes. I will read you a song title, and you have to tell me if this is a song that was written by Eric Clapton or if it was written by a notoriously filthy rap group, Two Live Crew. Okay. This is going to be difficult because Eric Clapton wrote a shit ton of songs. Yes. But like, you might think that it's easy, but I think that it's a little bit harder than you might believe. Okay? Okay. I have got 12 songs, and you have to guess whether they're Eric Clapton or Two Live Crew. Let me get a pencil so I can keep track of your score. I am super excited about this. Okay. Here is your first song. You have to tell me whether it's Eric Clapton or Two Life Crew. Number one. Okay. Tears in Heaven. Oh, man, that's a tough one. I know, I know. Yeah, it's tough. I'm, I'm going to go Clapton. Well, please, my. Okay, good. I was going to say, take this seriously. You got that one right. Eric Clapton wrote Tears in Heaven. Here's the second song. The fuck shop. That would be two life crew. <laughs> yes, very good. Very good. Two life crew wrote the fuck shop. Layla. Layla. Take your okay. time. Take your time. Do you want to discuss this? Talk this over something? No. Do, do I get a lifeline? <laughs> no. I'm, I'm going to go Clapton. Okay. You got that one right. You got that one right. 
three little girls. Now that's a tough one. Yeah, it is. That is a tough one. Because it's not three fucking little girls. Uh, I'm still going to go with two live crew. Sorry, Bunny. Oh. That was an Eric Clapton song. Very sorry. Got one wrong. So you're three and one. Okay. Number there's five. There's got to be a two live crew curveball here. Yeah. It just yeah, has yeah, yeah, to yeah, be. Yeah. I, okay. And I thought that was it. Yeah. Okay. Number five. Into the dust. Into the dust. Okay. I'm going to go with Clapton. Sorry, really? that was a two-through song. Oh, uh, so I was just one question off. Uh, I love this game so much. I love this game so much. I tried it out on Natasha, and she did very good. Uh, number six, do-wa-diddy-diddy. Two live crew. Very good. That is a two live crew song. Number seven, Let It Rain. Take your time. Let Take your rain. time. Let's, let's go with Clapton. Very good. Very good. That is an Eric Clapton song, but it could be one of the. It could be a two life crew song, though. It could be a. It could be like a like an R. Kelly sort of situation. Yeah, is what I was going for by keeping that one on there. Okay, number eight. Keep on growing. Ooh, that could be a. That could be some cheesy Eric Clapton shit, or that could be some filthy two life crew shit. This is a difficult one. Yeah. Keep on growing. Is it Eric Clapton? Is it Two Life Crew? Take your time, Bunny. Uh, I'm going to go with the crew. Sorry. Eric Clapton. Okay. This Eric Clapton song. It was cheesy. Eric Clapton. Here's an, This is number nine out of 12. Uh, ain't going down. I'm also here on this side. Now, this is a difficult one because Eric Clapton is one of those uh, classic rockers who just loves shoving blues shit down your throat. Yeah. Old-timey blues. Some really filthy two-life crew shit. What was the title again? About uh, women. Ain't going, ain't going down. It could go either way. It could go either way. Is it Eric Clapton or is it Two Live Crew? Let's go with the crew. Sorry, that was an Eric Clapton song. This is surprisingly hard. It, it's gotten that way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, number 10, Reggae Joint. Two life crew. Now, when you hear joint, you think, oh, well, this could be two life crew. 
But then also, doesn't reggae joint also sounds like the type of a song that a white person shouldn't sing, but that Eric Clapton would sing? It could go either way. Yes. Oh. And I and I will go Clapton on that. Sorry. God damn it. <laughs> that I... was a two live crew song. They were singing actual joints also, is what they were singing I, about. Yes, Maxwell is here on the side. Uh, okay. Uh, number 11, double crossing time. Oh, man. That could be Eric Clapton. That could be two live crew. Maybe a, either way, a woman double crossed someone. Did they double cross the two live crew or did uh, she uh, double cross Eric Clapton? <sighs> See, now I just feel like I'm ping-ponging where it's like, who did I say the last time? Maybe I should say the other guy this time. Or maybe I should keep saying the same person until I'm right. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Clapton. Yeah. Um... Correct. Correct. Double crossing time. That was an Eric Clapton song. Now, here's the hardest one. Out of all 12, this is the final one, and it is without a doubt the hardest. Pop that coochie. Oh, man. That's uh, Clapton. I'm going to give you that one, Bunny, because That's, it is yeah. a... Yeah, it's a two-left crew song. So that was our game, Clapton or Crew. Bunny, you got seven out of twelve correct. I, got, I only got I only got three. You correct. got three correct? Yeah. Maxwell got three correct. You should, probably should not have been playing this, but And he's such a big two-life. This crew is a fun fan. game. I'm surprised. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, Natasha only got one wrong when she played. So, no, but I didn't have all of them. Yeah, I only had about half. So, uh, so yeah. So that was Clapton or Crew. Super fun game. That was a blast. We used yes, to do a was. lot of these type of games. Yes, it was. Oh, she's watching the movies 5.5. Season 5.5. So, yeah, I think she's watched the first two movies. Yeah. So that was fun. Now, the, the kids just uh, uh, came back from uh, somewhere. So they're all here and super excited. Hi, Maxwell. And Eleanor's about to watch TV. So they're all excited to be here. Okay. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, Clapton or crew. That was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I, I read about Clapton's something about the coronavirus and thing. I didn't, I didn't hear anything about Van Morrison in connection to Clapton, but I'm not fucking surprised. Yeah, apparently this is the first anti-lockdown song that Clapton and Van Morrison have performed together, but apparently this is like the fourth or fifth anti-lockdown, anti-coronavirus pandemic song that Van Morrison has written. Apparently that's all he's writing now. So, uh, as far as what I know of Van Morrison, I am not surprised. Yeah. But whatever. So so there's that. Yeah, no, I've seen that. I've seen that before. I've seen all of these before. So yeah, so that was a bunch of fun. 
we should do more games like that. And yes. and and cut on that. Buddy! Yes. This is the last episode of the year, the last episode of 2020 and good fucking riddance because this year has been the absolute worst year ever. Movie theaters are closing down. I never got to see Kong versus Godzilla. My entire family got the coronavirus. And of course, the worst uh, thing to happen in 2020, the, the worst thing that we'll all of course, I am talking about the death after Fred Willard, which yeah. has still just rocked people. People are still rocked by this. Thankfully, we gave them some comfort with our summer of Fred Willard, which just, just to give you fair warning now, Bunny, the okay. summer was so much fun that I don't know what we're doing for summer 2021, but whatever it is, it has to be penance. It has to be penance for having that much fun. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not well, sure. That sounds what... like the fucking Fast and the Furious movies. That's what I'm thinking, but also I don't know. That would kind of be fun to rip on that for an entire summer. I actually came up with an idea for the summer, but it's so bad. Okay. That I don't even think I can do it. I don't even think it's possible. Okay. And I shudder to talk about it now, but I have a plan. But it's so bad, it's too bad. I don't know if we'll do it. But I, but, I uh, actually just came up with an idea as well. Go, go ahead. What, what, what is yours? Okay, okay. I'll tell you mine. Uh, for an entire summer, we watch nothing but WWE Studios movies. That is a thought. Which would be the absolute worst. So we would watch Fighting with My Family, which is fun because it has Florence Pugh and yeah. it's a good movie. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And, and uh, yeah, Rock the Dwayne Johnson. And then we would see uh, Kane's two horror movies yeah. and then a bunch of shit with The Miz. So <laughs> I can't imagine that it would be good. I imagine that eventually we would go insane because. Uh, I still think it's fairly impossible for WWE to make a good movie. Much like we did with Night of the Living Dead way back when. I was thinking for the summer, we do every version of Hamlet we could find. Jesus. Which could include... Jesus which could include school plays on YouTube. Ooh. Is uh. there a musical version of Hamlet? See, there's the key. The key is in the that we can find part. So it doesn't there's... necessarily have to be like a theatrical release. I mean, we could do Mel Gibson. We could do Lawrence Olivier. If we want. Yeah. But we could also do PS 143's sixth grade presentation. Yeah. Uh, we could also do um, Hamlet 2 featuring one of the greatest songs of all time, Rock Me Sexy Jesus. I love that movie. Hamlet <laughs> 2. 
Have we ever done like, podcast? What? I feel, have, we ever, had, have we ever done the movie Hamlet 2 for the podcast? No. I feel like we did a long time ago. <coughs> I love the song Sexy Jesus. It's one of my favorite songs. The whole family knows Rock Me Sexy Jesus. I, I I'm surprised have, we haven't done that. I have not seen it. A large, I love the movie because a large portion of it makes fun of Tucson, Arizona, which, of course, I'm a big fan of. Yes. This is the way we all talk in Tucson, Arizona. Yes. God, I love, God, I love Jackie Daytona. That is a good idea. Maybe we'll do that for the spring as like a lead in to our, our penance filled summer. You know? Okay. That is a good idea. I will remember that. But oh wait 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 um, wait well 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 if we got kind of the theme okay let's just yeah. tweak it a little and maybe we can come up with something good like I mean because it doesn't what's more interesting Hamlet or kids doing a school play what's the what's what are we after what's the fun part so why don't we open it up to any school play or anything like that that we could find on YouTube. Whether it be Hamlet or not, yeah. The more uh, bizarre, the better. Well, yeah, I'm. I'm trying I mean, to I don't need to like see them real... doing fucking Godspell. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like weird Hamlet versions. Yeah. Uh, but I can't think of any off the top of my head, like bizarre adaptations of Hamlet. Like, I guess uh, we could watch Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. In 2018, Daisy Ridley did a movie just called Ophelia. That would yeah. be a version of it. Uh, um, also, you know what is loosely based on Hamlet? Uh, Strange Brew. Really? Yeah. So Bob and Doug McKenzie are like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern beer brewing company. And, and, And yeah, it's supposed to like very, very ridiculously loosely based on Hamlet. We could make a whole summer like a summer of Hamlet. Well, Hamlet adjacent. Hamlet adjacent, yeah. Eleanor, go find mom. Stop just yelling for her. Just get up and go find her. Okay, then you're not going to watch anything. Okay. So, so no, that, that, that is a good idea. And then we can watch, like, whatever school plays, like if we can find something on archive.org or something. Is what I'm thinking. There's got to be some plays in there. Yeah. I've never looked. Let me just look. I'm already on archive.org. Let me just search Hamlet High School. Uh, uh, there's got to be some stuff here. Uh, let's see, Funny or Die videos, home movies, 
Oh, it's horrible. That's why I put one of them on my Amazon playlist. Um, um, on my uh, Amazon. Uh, I don't see any, but I'm not trying that hard. But there's got to be, then there's got to be some on YouTube. But no, that's a really good idea, buddy. Maybe we can do Hamlet and Macbeth, because there's a really bizarre Macbeth adaptation set in a fast food restaurant. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? I think it's called Scott A. Yeah, Scotland, PA, and it's like a, it's set in a fast food restaurant owned by a guy named like William Beth, and everyone just calls him Mac. Okay. That might, that might, that might be, that might be an idea. Yeah, go real classy, you know? Well, I, well, then we can call it the Summer of Shakespeare. That's a good idea. But like weird shakespeare adjacent yes yeah so like i was shakespeare adjacent or or a very strange interpretation of whatever play it was yeah no i like that idea like like if we could get hamlet and fucking cling on that would be goddamn awesome yes that would be amazing okay so we've got a we've got a good plan here okay but or before we got we, we were discussing the summer we were talking about 2020 and and okay. that leads us to the final installment of things you forgot happened in 2020 then then do we do something jiggle the hard drive around honey you just got to jiggle the hard drive around and then eventually it pops back up it keeps popping back up that's okay. not the problem I'm working Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Okay. Can you hear me all right, Bunny? Am I choppy? Am I coming through weird? Uh, at times you're a little choppy. Okay. I'm 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 doing this through a hotspot in the hopes that it would be better, but I'm not sure if it's any better. I don't think it's any better but we haven't like locked up at all and then that's like kind of a okay all right so that's good kind of better if so you anyway. come through a bit choppy here and there or if there's a little bit of a delay between us then you just freezing out <laughs> yeah okay cool so this is the final things you forgot happened in 2020 and it is a strange one and I mean really strange, and a lot of strange things have uh, popped up in the year 2020, from the butthole cut of the film Cats to right-winger Ben Shapiro proudly admitting to the entire world that his wife never gets turned on. Yes. To one of the weirdest events to happen in all of 2020, Donald Trump receiving 74 million votes. Even as uh, hundreds of thousands die from a pandemic, he's not bothering to stop. But there's one odd moment of 2020 that I don't want people to forget. I don't want people to forget that this happened. And this is the fact, the absolute fact, 
that a large amount of Trump supporters legitimately believed that at a rally in Dallas, Texas on October 17th, 2020, Trump would announce that Mike Pence was fired as his vice president and would be replaced by JFK Jr., who was still alive. Okay. I don't want people to forget that a large portion of Americans legitimately thought that this would happen. This is, of course, a QAnon conspiracy theory. What they believed was that Q, the mysterious person that was was, uh, sending messages to Donald Trump supporters, that Q was actually a noted liberal and deceased man John F. Kennedy Jr. He had the magazine George and was a staunch liberal, but according to the believers of the QAnon conspiracy theory, JFK was a JFK Jr. was a super liberal until he uncovered the truth about the evil liberals who have been eating babies underground. And oh no, you know Woody from Toy Story? You know the guy from Mazes and Monsters? Yeah, he cracks open babies and drinks them in underground farms. And so he was so shocked by the evil demonic liberals that he faked his own death and has been hiding out, uh, giving real Americans clues as to Donald Trump's massive <laughs> war evil satanic left and that he would and that Donald Trump would reveal all of this at a rally in Dallas, Texas on October 7th. Let's not even and and, and let's let's uh, I, I would like to remind everyone that Donald Trump never had a rally scheduled for Dallas, Texas on October 17th. And there wasn't a rally in Dallas, Texas on October 17th, but that's what they believed, that JFK had faked his death, was Q, and was going to be the vice president. People believed this. <laughs> yeah. A large, group of Americans legitimately believed that this was true. And I don't want us to forget this, because this is ever. fucking insane. Fucking ever, because they haven't yeah. gone anywhere. No. no they're, they're just still blowing here. They're still shit around. up now. Yeah. Yeah, but the right legitimately believed that JFK Jr. was going to be the new vice president for the second term of Donald Trump's presidency. What I, uh, what I keep find wondering Q, is... But didn't they find Q like a couple of months back? I could almost fucking swear. And he, he was from someplace unexpected, like the Philippines, maybe? Uh, yes, but everyone knows that that's just a cover. That that's what the deep state wants you to believe, Bunny. And he was a pig farmer. Yeah, the it is Bunny. You haven't been red pilled like me. Mm-hmm. I know who Q is. You know who it is, Mister Hooper. No, Mister Hooper, who ran Hooper's General Store yeah. on Sesame Street. Yeah, the whole store was just a front. Yeah. 
He was really fighting the deep state. He faked his death. Faked his death. Yeah, everyone knows that. I am really hoping, okay, that New Year's Eve, Times Square, ball drops. Andy Kaufman comes out, and this has all been an elaborate prank. And Andy Kaufman's and like, come on out, everybody. Donald, come on out here. Donald, come. You did a great job, man. You did a really great job. People will really believe in your shit. Hillary, come on out. Come on. And he just brings out every fucking maniac that we've been dealing with the last four years. And then the last and just person to paying come out. Them off. <laughs> yeah. And then the last person to come out, Alan Funt. Alan Funt. Yeah. And this was all just an elaborate ruse. Yes. It was just a ruse. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that has as much of a chance of happening as JFK Jr. Suddenly appearing and being like, "Hey, I faked my death, and I'm I, I'm a big Trump supporter." Well, I'm so, just feeling that Andy Kaufman has been forgotten. Come on, this there is plenty of room for for Andy Kaufman in whatever conspiracy you want to construct. Absolutely, one hundred percent. You know who Andy Kaufman was? Tupac. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he yeah, was. Yeah, Andy Kaufman was just a, a very gifted wordsmith. 100%. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know they're putting chemicals in the water that are turning the freaking Kaufmans gay. Yes, exactly. That's a, everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. So, that was and our the last... The CIA is who took him out. Yeah, exactly. Because he knew too much. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was the last things you forgot happened in 2020. Good riddance, I say. Good riddance to you, 2020. Yes. Hopefully, uh, next year will will hopefully suck less, or at least differently. Um, is the best we can go for. Probably differently. Yeah. Probably you know, differently. I mean as maybe we turn our attention to other horrors that have been going on. Yeah. While we, while yeah. we've been watching the main fucking horror. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's it for that segment. Uh, I'll miss it, but I won't miss 2020. I'll miss the segment, yes. but I won't miss 2020 and cut on that. Buddy. Yes. We still have a, a, a full show to get to. We've got Bunny versus Steve's Historic Approximations, which is very complicated, and a all brand new and in no way a repeat look at the movie Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny, uh, like every year. Yes. Uh, I'm not just using the same notes from five years ago. Absolutely not. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? 
we should take a break. You know what? I concur. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. Do 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 skitty bop do wow and break and break I will be back. John Johnson, but everyone here calls me Vicky. Andre the Giant, we hardly knew ye. What's up, y'all? Bill McNeil saying there's a party all up in here and you need to get with the flow. Oh, yeah, Rocket Fuel Malt Liquor's got the heavyweight power, but you got the E-Arch to rip it up to some fat booty beats. Or just chill with the honeys. So get on the rocket and see the stars. Rocket Fuel Malt Liquor. Damn! <laughs> The Erotic Adventures of Hercules. Close it up, close it up, close it up. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. Now this is something the other tour guides will tell you. Seasons came and changed the time. The murder of Phil Hartman. Dig your own grave and say. Have you ever heard the expression, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade, and then toss it in the face of the person who gave you the lemons until they give you the oranges you asked for in the first place? In this particular cell block, Machine Gun Kelly had what we call in the prison system a bitch. And one night, in a jealous rage, Kelly took a makeshift knife or shiv and cut out the bitch's eyes. It's somebody say sassy. Just for me, the 
This way to the cafeteria. Champ Howard, today we mourn a stooge. Bryn pointed the gun at Phil and fired three shots. Fire! Fire! I, I should want to cook him a simple meal. But I shouldn't want to cut into him, to tear the flesh, to wear the flesh, to be born unto new worlds where his flesh becomes my key. And as if this wasn't enough retribution for Kelly, the next day he and four other inmates took turns pissing into the bitch's ocular cavities. That's right! I never thought of that one! Oh, women! No! Moments later, Bryn picked up a second gun and lay down next to the body of her husband. She held the weapon to her own head and pulled the trigger. Thank you. 
Are you an evil supervillain in need of a nameless army? Then come on down to Nameless Henchman Warehouse. We are North America's leading supplier of nameless, characterless thugs who all somehow know Kung Fu. Plus, since they're characterless, it doesn't matter when they die in battle, and that is the Nameless Henchman Warehouse guarantee. Do you need an army to storm a mystical castle? Do you need a henchman to steal pages from an ancient tome? Or do you just want to defeat those pesky Ninja Turtles once and for all? Then come on down to the Nameless Henchman Warehouse off of Route 9 in Maine next to the Chicory Dog. New Henchman Warehouse. We send bad guys to death. A picture you won't ever forget, because it touches the full spectrum of the bizarre, the forbidden, the twilight areas of a life destined to be spent in shadow and agony. The screen may never again relate to this subject matter. It will certainly never again approach this treatment. Oh, you know all about them, huh? You don't even know their names. Now get them out of here. Look, Paul, why don't you just go on to bed or something? I promised to have them out of here first thing in the morning. But I'm not taking them back on that road this time of night. Billy, I don't want to be unreasonable. But you know what happens to you when you get around women. And it must never happen again. <gasps> it ain't gonna happen, Paul. <coughs> I'm gonna go fix them something to eat, and I'll show them to the rooms. A child's world robbed of joy by a secret conspiracy of suspicion and fear, dwelling like a lodger in the mine, insinuating its presence into every heartbeat, holding a black light to the dreams of childhood, forcing the will into blind canyons of loneliness and despair, a stolen life, pawned to a godless oblivion. left to mourn, the last witnesses to the execution, suspended in time by a puppeteer with blood on his hands, little broken dolls that go on dancing after the music has stopped. Three. Mm. Judge me by my size, do you? Mm. My penis you have not seen. Huge it is. Mm. Yes. Suck it, you will. Mm. And we're back with more of the Poop on Film.
funny. Yes. Ready? No. Installment of Bunny Versus starring the incomparable Bunny Wilberforth Williams. That's his full name. I'm not sure if you know that. You need ostrich for this recipe? No. What? These are lists of ostrich meats. It's asking if you have ostrich. It's asking. What recipe asks for ostrich? I don't know. Should I click it and find out? What or the heck? I'm an alligator I've heard of. I don't know what the fuck. So Prasada? Yeah. Uh, that's that's the name of my aunt, actually, mm. which is weird. Why is she on the menu? My aunt, Soprasada. I mean, ostrich. Huh. Why don't we have ostrich? Natasha's cooking ostrich over here, but whatever. Oh. Are you ready for another exciting installment <laughs> of Bunny Versus? Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you psyched? Are you jazzed? Are you primed? Yeah, pretty much. Are you ready? Are you revved up? And are you ready to go? Are you ready to do it? Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Well, so. uh, yeah. without any further, okay, without any further ado, it's time once again for Bunny Versus, and now here is your host, Bunny Williams. Take it away, Bunny. I, I, I can't say anything until I mention how much I appreciate your midsummer flowers. Well, I am the May Queen now. Just period. I'm yeah. the May Queen. I got this for Christmas. I got a lot of things for Christmas, but just wearing this makes me feel so much more important. You know? So I've yeah. been wearing it around the house since Christmas. And it, it, it makes me feel better. And Good. I like it. Yeah. Good. My, uh, my family also got me a prop from a movie I don't care about. <laughs> okay. I'm really excited. Even though I don't like the movie, uh, I got Wilson the ball. <laughs> and, and the kids are like, can I play with your volleyball? And I'm like, no, this isn't a volleyball. This is Wilson, and he's my best friend. Yes. Your kids just don't understand Tom Hanks movie. This is Wilson, and he's my best friend now. So now he's in every background. Yes. So, who was hey. who was the real star of that movie? Oh, well, Wilson, without a doubt. Without a doubt, Wilson was the star of the movie. Period. He should have gotten an Oscar. Or at least a Golden Globe. You know? A golden globe, yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I would I would agree. Wilson deserved it. I mean what a talent. Yeah. So Bunny, do you want to know what I've been doing this week? What have you been doing this week? I saw four movies. Yeah? Yes. Because I realized that that, you know, I was watching a bunch of movies. Uh, in the beginning of the year, and then all movie theaters closed down, and I was so upset about movie theaters closing down that when movies were released on streaming services and online and stuff, I just didn't want to watch them because I was upset that movie theaters closed down. Yeah. Uh, so I realized that I actually hadn't seen enough movies 
to make a list of my favorite movies of the year. Mm-hmm. So this week I watched four movies. I watched Vivarium, which a lot of people fucking hate, which I loved. Really? I watched uh, Black. I watched Black Bear starring Aubrey Plaza, which was amazing, despite the fact that I have no fucking idea what it was about. Okay. Uh, I watched On the Rocks, which was good. The entire movie is just... uh, The only reason to watch it is because uh, Bill Murray's in it, and he's basically just being Bill Murray. It's a good movie. and I then tried I Vivarium, man. I tried Vivarium. I, I just couldn't. They were playing it so well, flat. Well, the reason why I liked it was that I felt that it had a lot to say about about quarantine. Yeah. And about the pandemic. And about, I mean... March, April, May, June, July, August, I I felt this movie on a deep personal level. There's yeah. one specific scene too where the the woman is exasperatedly leaning against the washing machine as the child is just running around in a circle making dog loud dog noises over and over again and it's just like I felt that in my heart. I have lived that. The washing machine is where I go when I just need a moment, you know? And I was like, how interesting that a movie that premiered at the Cannes Film Festival in 2019 has so much to say about uh, the coronavirus and our quarantine to life. Tom Hanks. How else? Tom fucking Hanks. So the I, I really liked Vivarium. himself. Yeah. So I really liked Vivarium, and at the end, when you don't get you know all of the answers, you know, wrapped up neat and nice in a nice little bow, I was yeah. like, you know what? I'm fine with that. I'm fine. I'm fine with sort of coming to my own conclusions about this film, and and I found it to be a whole lot of fun. Yeah. You know. And I, I really, really, really did like it. But I I first tried to watch it in like April, but I couldn't watch it because like I just couldn't stand watching it because like, okay, I'm stuck at home and now I need to watch this movie about people stuck at home. Yeah. So I couldn't watch it then. And then I tried watching it in October, but it's like, you know what? Maybe this isn't the right movie to watch when I'm, you know struggling with the coronavirus. Yeah. But now that I'm better and I'm feeling more healthy, like I put the movie on and it's like, okay, well now this is the right time for me to watch this film and I really, really like it. Yeah. And then last night I watched Wonder Woman 1984. All right, hit me. Wonder Woman means a lot to people because she's a feminist icon and uh, this was the first female the Wonder Woman movie was the first real female starring superhero written by a female and 
was directed by a female and it was starring a female superhero. And because of the importance of Wonder Woman in pop culture and, and in society, I feel that the first Wonder Woman movie and the second Wonder Woman movie, a lot of people are giving too much credit for it. You know, like, yeah. like oh, well, this movie... Wonder Woman is such an important character and is such a big role model to women that I will overlook how just shitty it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The movie's almost two hours and 40 minutes long. The movie is essentially a Midsommar. So if your movie is a Midsommar's length, you better have shit to say. And this movie has nothing to say other than all Middle Eastern people are terrorists. Yeah. The movie is pretty racist. Besides the racist stuff, and there's a lot of racism in this movie, uh, if your movie is going to be called Wonder Woman 1984, then I expect a Stranger Things level of pop culture that this movie does not give. Yeah. Like, if you're going to call it... Yeah, if you're going to call the movie Wonder Woman 1984, you expect the time period to be more of a focus in this film. But like, like, oh, here's 45 minutes of boring stuff. And oh, look, leg warmers. <laughs> okay, here's 20 minutes of dialogue. And oh, look, those people are break dancing. And then here's one scene in a ball. And then that's it. Why did you why did you call this Wonder Woman 1984 if you're not going to have 1984 be an important part of the film? But this could yeah. have been set at any period in time. It did it just did not fucking matter. At the end of the movie, uh, Wonder Woman is talking passionately to the people of America, talking into a camera and looking directly at you. And there was a part of me that was like, oh shit, is she gonna start singing Imagine again? Is that how- <laughs> defeat the bad guy because it works so well in defeating the coronavirus. <laughs> the movie was a lot like the first Wonder Woman movie. It was fine. I'm not going to watch it again. Yeah. So so there's that. I was I, I was I was a bit disappointed. Yeah, but was was she at least smarter in this movie? No, no, not at all. Absolutely not. Because she spends most of the movie losing her powers in a way that is easily solvable, but she doesn't bother. Like, huh? I want one losing powers. Meanwhile, everyone else in the movie is just like. Everyone watching the film is like, okay, I guess we're going to spend two plus hours of you trying to figure out why you're losing your powers, even though it's obvious to everyone, but the movie's way too fucking long. Okay. The script isn't that great. And there's only like three action sequences in the whole freaking movie. And uh, Kristen Wiig does a good job, but when she finally eventually does become the character Cheetah, it's of course at the last act of the film during a fight scene that is of course done completely 
like so many other last scenes in a superhero movie, so you don't have to see how bad the CGI is. Yeah. That is such a that is such a superhero movie trope. That like, oh, now finally, I have finally turned into the evil supervillain character, and we're going to fight in this dark warehouse, or outside at night, or in the fog to cover up the special effects, and like, that was kind of sad. There aren't a lot of superhero movies that have their big final battle. In the daytime! (laughs) In a room! So, like, eventually, uh, can you still hear me, Bunny? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Okay. Eventually, the movie just sort of, like, de-evolves into, like, a Transformers film, you know? Yeah. Just a bunch of loud music and quick cuts and bad CGI and just, eh, it's fine. It's fine. I can't help it, man. It still it still puts a smile on my face every time a DC movie is a disappointment. Yeah. Makes me happy. Yeah. I, 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 had I don't lot, know why. I had a lot of high hopes because Kristen Wiig was in this, and she's really good in it, but it's the only thing that I can say that's good about this film. Yeah. The only thing good about this film is that for a couple of seconds I saw a B. Dalton. A B. Dalton. Okay. But beyond that, like, there's nothing to write home about. It's it's kind of surprising how racist the movie is. Yeah. So, that was kind of surprising, but no, nah, it, 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 it's, it's fine. The movie's fine. It made twice as much. It has already made it twice as much in the box office as Tenet has. Yeah. So that's something. What what are box offices looking like these days? I don't know. But as far as I can tell, Wonder Woman is such a success that like that I think this is going to make the existence of movie theaters even harder. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I don't I'm, know. Hearing, I'm hearing people talk a lot of shit about this movie. I'm not hearing people who like it. What a surprising amount of people are go- went to the movies these last two days to go and see Wonder Woman, apparently. Yeah. It's like, this isn't a movie I would risk my life for. Is what I'm saying, but you would or you would? Yeah, I would not. I would. I absolutely wouldn't. I absolutely would not. No. No. Now when it's it's in the ballpark, though. You know, it's in the ballpark. I mean, I want a I want a big movie to to go out to. You know. Yeah. But like. DC, I am not risking the coronavirus on a DC movie because they have had many more failures than they've had hits. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'd go, I'd go to the theater to see Shazam. 
if Shazam had just come out, I'd go to the theater to see that. I wouldn't go see Joker. Wouldn't yeah. go see Justice League, Batman v Superman, Dawn of <laughs> or any or any of those movies. Yeah, maybe the next maybe maybe the next Suicide Squad movie, which yeah. is coming out this summer. Yeah. I'll go see that in theaters because that's uh, that's uh James, James Gunn, Gun, man. Yeah. Like that, I will definitely see. But I don't, I don't particularly, I don't particularly care for, for any of these other freaking DC movies. You ask for help. Yeah. No. So, uh, Eleanor. Uh, Eleanor had a slumber party. Yeah. Uh, because reel it in. And now that she's back home, she is very emotional. So, so there's that. Uh, I'm, it's so, so my new goal from now until January first is to try and watch as many movies as I can that came out this year that I haven't watched. So. So the next couple of days, I'm going to be watching a bunch of movies. Uh, I'm going to finally watch Tenet, uh, Mank. Uh, I've been waiting for the kids to come back so I can watch Soul with them because I've got that. Maybe an American Pickle. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's the last movie from uh, uh, Black Panther. Really want to see that. Okay. Uh, maybe an American Pickle. Maybe Antebellum. Spike Lee in a movie that came out this year that I didn't see. So I'm I'm trying to catch up, and this has given me purpose. You okay. know, it's a bit ridiculous that I was uh, that I've been stuck indoors for so long during this pandemic, and I just I had some block where it's like I can't watch movies. I can watch movies for the podcast. That's about it. And so I missed out on all of these movies. And I'm gonna try and I'm trying to catch up. Yeah, and so that that's that's where I'm at. How are you, Bunny? How are you doing? How was your holidays? I think our holidays were very nice. Yeah. I got a monkey hat. Something else I got that I Yay. love. Jeannie got me a little etch a sketch. She loves it. Aw, cool. It's a fireplace. <laughs> hmm. I think that this is the one single item that has discouraged more budding artists than anything else in human history. Probably, yeah. It's also weird that you got a green at your sketch. You know, at your sketches are red. They should be. It's it's. I don't need to judge. It's America. You should be able to be anything you want to be when you grow up, but there is not much call for stairs artists. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
not since they st stopped making two 2D side scrolling video games anyway. Right? There there may have been an uptick in stairs artists at that point, but other than that, no, not much. So, you know, the best etcher sketch skills that you can ever possibly accumulate. You're not going to make a living at it. Yeah. Yeah. And do you remember the box of a big etcher sketch? Uh, uh, the Ohio Arts Red Sketcher etcher sketch? Remember the picture on the back of the box of that thing? No, I do not. Where it was an etcher sketch, like forest scene with a river and like. Bull fucking shit. Okay? Yeah. I don't know how they did that, but they didn't do it on a fucking extra sketch. Yeah. There is no way. There is no way. Yeah. So Christmas was a lot of fun. Good. Yeah. Uh... Prime rib, a lot of good food. Yeah. That was my dessert. Yes. <laughs> um, I got a massive Pulp Fiction poster that I'm trying to figure out what to do with. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is huge, and I absolutely love it, but I want to put it in my background. I just need to cover up the gun and cigarettes. Why? I got a kids' channel. I can't have the poster oh. for Pulp in my background with Uma Thurman posing in front of a gun, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> Google replace will send guards them. out for okay, but you have to replace them. You you know, like yeah, a, yeah, maybe a big harmonica and. Pixie stick? Yeah, I'll have Emerald draw something really nice. Yeah. Yeah, like she has she has a banana in her hand. <laughs> okay. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it was fun. Going through you know, go through our kind of traditional movies. Um Although we kicked off with Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny, but we'll get there. Uh, yeah. We didn't do it the first year we we were doing the show, did we? I have it all mapped this is out. Fourth, I think. No. Hold on. Let me get let me get the notes. We did this movie in episode 105, episode 154, episode 198, episode 241, and now episode 285. Wow, okay. So if I'm not mistaken, the first time we did this film is uh, in 2016. Okay. Yeah, I did research. 
<laughs> you can open it. I, I opened it a little bit for you. I don't know. Just try and open it. See? Other than that, I've just been playing around with the demon gate. Yeah, it I've looks been, good. I've been reworking the victim, and it's become an angel. So that's going to look fucking nasty. I want to get it to a point where anybody who looks at it will have to think, okay, if a demon doesn't come out of that thing, a demon doesn't come out of anything. Yes. That's a good that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. There we go. Here comes the sun. Do, 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 do. <laughs> So, um, I don't know. I don't know if I have anything in particular to say. I, I, I still think that. Okay, so somebody said that that Clarence was just the next angel in line, and those are the rules. So that that's how George got the most incompetent angel. But now... Okay. That's still just George Bailey's luck, isn't it? Like, out of yeah. all the fucking yeah. angels, he gets the most incompetent angel. I, I took a random tangent. I'm trying yeah, to but, uh, hey. Those. Huh? Well, hey, to bring it back home, don't forget who was in that movie. Carl Switzer, a.k.a. Carl Alfalfa. Switzer, I made a special point. To, brings to, it back. To pay attention to the great Switzer performance. Yeah, good. Because that was a good that was a good shap. His key turning was masterful. Yeah. Yes. He was murdered and, and, and the murderer got away with it because he said self defense. Yes. <laughs> that was a good shap. Yes, it was. It was a very good shap. This week's shap is very complicated, but I think I think I've got it. Yeah. I think. Yeah, there were things during the week I was thinking of talking about, but I can't remember a damn one of them. Yep. Yeah. So, anything interesting happened? No, I've been off of work since Wednesday. Yeah. So I had Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, and I have to go back to work, and I'm not feeling it. No. At all. I, my wife has only three days left of work, and then she will be off work, and then in, uh, uh, 
a few weeks into January, she will be starting a brand new job in a brand new field that hopefully that will pay less, but will give us uh, fully paid health care and will not expose us to the coronavirus anymore. So, okay. So that's good. That is very good. Yes. You will have health care. I can be checked out by a doctor and uh, our medical bills will be paid and no longer will Natasha be put in an environment where we'll get the coronavirus. So, yes. Hooray. Very good. Oh, and also, I'll have dental. Very excited. I'll have dental. Yeah. yeah. Very excited about that. I've got like one tooth up here that's like, that's like, it, it's not in pain, but every once in a while it's like, hey, Steve, I'm right here. I'm right here. You're going to need to get me checked out. Not now, but just soon. I'm just yeah. letting you know that I'm here, Steve. I'm just letting you know that I'm here. A little poke, poke, poke right here. Right here. So I'm going to get that fixed. Mine have been going a long time, a little at a time. So the next step is just, just get them all out. Well, I have really great teeth in the front. In the front, I've got a good, nice set of teeth. And when I go to the dentist, oftentimes I will have the nurse or whatever, the, the first woman go, oh, wow have you had braces in your life? And I'm like, no, I just got a good set of teeth in the front. It's the back where everything falls apart. <laughs> like a flan in a cupboard. Uh-huh. So I, I think we should get on to this week's chef. Yes, it is confusing. But I think I've got it. Yeah. <laughs> this week's chat was a challenge to myself. Can you get this series and try and explain it to someone who has no idea about the series? And I think I've done it. Okay. I think I got this. I think I got this. Okay. Yeah. Well, until next week, self-stick adhesive Yes, please. Great and ending. Cut on that. And cut on that. Buddy! Yes! If you're like me, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who is it nowadays in this, in this day and age? But only uh, real fans, true hardcore fans who have been with us since the beginning would know two things, two fundamental truths about us, two undeniably totally real facts about America's uh, hottest podcasting couple, Bunny and Steve. What are you asking me, Maxwell? No, I don't. First and foremost, the first absolutely real and in no way made up on the spot fact is uh, uh, about you, Bunny. And yes. it's the fact... You were in a hair metal band in the 80s. Uh, now, please, Bunny, tell us what was your band name and what were some of your songs that you that you guys that your band was known for? Uh, we were the Violent Pickles. 
Um, okay. Nigel, Wayne, Teddy, you know, kind of kids that I went to high school with. Uh, our big songs were... We're young white boys, and things aren't really that bad. Uh, that was a very popular one. Uh, another another big song of ours was uh, we elected the guy from bedtime for Bonzo. It's a good song. That's that a good song. A, that was a that was a really hard thrashing song. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was like Bedtime for Bonzo, Bedtime for Bonzo. We elected the guy from Bedtime for Bonzo. Yeah You know. Yeah. I got yeah. goose pimples just then. Exactly. So that, that was another big one for our of ours. Um uh and really, we were two shot wonders. You know, there there really isn't a third. I mean, there were obviously other songs, but nothing that anybody really knew, like uh, uh, "Hamsters Go Crazy," um, that n- n- people really didn't hear ever hear that. You know, uh, we couldn't get in bars anymore at that point. Uh, you know, ever since ever since Nigel hung himself. You know, yeah, we we couldn't book a show after that. So hamsters go crazy. Nobody ever heard that. Um, the devil does scrapbooking. Nobody, oh, have, yes. nobody yes, had ever done that. One, had heard that one. That's, uh, that's one of my favorite B sides. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and 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 that's about it. You know, uh, it was the sad end to the violent pickles. The weird thing is that the name The Violent Pickles, that screams we are a band from New York. And I'm not fully sure why, but that screams we are a band specifically from the East Coast and not the West Coast. Not exactly sure why. Eventually, I get the answer. But thank you for regaling us, Bunny, with, with your musical tales. And the oh, second no fact, the second fact that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do at this point in the show is I like to get a story from the history books and sort of rework it via my own unique storytelling style. And and that's what this is, another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations! Dun, 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 dun. Or SHAP, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name SHAP. It's short, but it's very powerful. It's the sands of podcast segments. I put that in for my son. Uh, Sans is a character in a retro-looking 8-bit game called Undertale that my son, Maxwell, is obsessed with at the moment. Anywho, this week on the old Shappity Shap Shap, we will be having a strange short story about a Japanese video game company that was well-known for its problem with licensing rights. 
Okay. First, let me tell you about how I or organically got to this shaft. So people really seem to like it when I play really old video games on YouTube. So I was looking for something different to play. I got a, an, an NES emulator and I, I downloaded basically a random assortment of about 700 different NES games. And okay. so, yeah, I could, I could play Super Mario Brothers 3 or The Legend of Zelda, but I want something different, something strange and bizarre, maybe something that not everybody knows, because that's very much Mr. Steve. I'm a cult classic and not a bestseller. So I, I'm looking for something different to play, and I found this bizarre old game where Snoopy and Woodstock are tossing boots. Really? It's a boot-tossing game where it's like, oh, do you want to be Snoopy or his brother Spike from Needles, California? And you're tossing boots. And I'm like, what the hell is this game? Why are, why are Charlie Brown and Lucy having a sack race in front of the Roman Colosseum? What is this game and what is its deal? Why is this a thing? And so I looked it up and I found that it was an interesting, if confusing, story. So here we are. The story starts in Japan with a big company called Kotobuki. They did manufacturing and they did engineering and they, they had their hands in a bunch of different uh, facets of Japanese culture. And like so many companies in the 80s and 90s, they said, uh, we've got absolutely no experience in this, but hey, let's start making video games. So they got into the video game business and they started a company called Chemco, which stood for the Kotobuki Engineering and Manufacturing Company. And you put those little bits together and that's Chemco. So they, at first they started releasing games primarily for the PC. And then as uh, their popularity rises, they decided to start releasing home video games because NES was starting to become a thing. You know, in the 80s, Nintendo, suddenly everyone, you know, it's not just making PC games and making arcade games. It's about making games for the home, especially with the Nintendo Entertainment System. Now you're playing with power. And so uh, suddenly the primary uh, headquarters of Chemco was in Japan and they make games in Japan, but then they would distribute them to England, to Europe, and they distribute them to the United States. And what Chemco is mainly known for is hastily done overlays. That's where, oh shit, we can't release this Japanese game in America because no one knows this Japanese character. Okay, well, we'll buy some cheap rights to a character and then just overlay this new character on this old character. And look at yeah. that. Now we have a technically brand new video game that we can sell to foreigners. Let's just change this one thing and release it to the public. They did this a lot and the results were highly complicated. Here's the results that got me to this story. 
A video game company called Nova Trade from Hungary released a game for the Commodore 64, the Amstrad PC, and the ZX Spectrum PC. The game was called The Alternative World Games. And it was a series of six mini games that were set that were supposed to be popular games from different countries. So okay. you can do a sack race in Nepal. You can have a boot throwing match, which is, which is apparently something they do in Italy. You can do a boot throwing match at the Roman Colosseum. You can have a traditional pole climbing race in Verona, Italy. And uh, you can have a pillow fight on a gondola in Venice. And there are other games. One is called Pile of Plates, where you hold 100 plates and you have to get from point A to point B without dropping any plates. The okay. game is intended to be different games from different countries, but for whatever reason, all of the settings are in Italy for some reason. So, so they released this game for the PC, and it does well. It does okay. So Kemco buys the rights and decides to release this game in Japan and Europe and America for the NES. So, um, but, Kem, but Kemco knows that the alternative world games that they just bought the rights to is kind of a crap game. So they're like, okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to get the rights to some character, slap it on there, and there you go. It's not the alternative world games anymore. It's a completely different game. So they go to Disney and they go, hey, Disney, we want the rights to Mickey Mouse. And then Disney okay. says, oh, okay, here's, here's the amount of money it would, it would cost to get the rights to Mickey Mouse. And Kemco said, okay, that's really expensive. What characters you have? Do you have like a bargain bin for characters? And so instead of getting the rights to Mickey Mouse for all to put on top of alternative world games, they get the rights to Donald Duck and Friends. Okay. So Japan, they release alternative world games for the Nintendo Entertainment System, which in Japan was called the Nintendo Famicom System. Famicom was short for Family Computer. They wanted okay. wanted the NES to be like a computer, that a family PC that you could do a bunch of things on that was used for the family in Japan. But in America, it's like, no, this is a video game system. So, uh, so in Japan, they released alternative world games as Donald Duck for the Famicom system. And it's an overlay. They got the exact same game that was released for the PC, except instead of random characters to choose from, you can be either Donald Duck, Daisy, Huey, Dewey, or Louie. And it makes no sense as okay. to why Daisy is having a sack race in front of the Roman Coliseum why are Dewey and Louie throwing boots <laughs> in Italy? It makes no fucking sense, but it sells really well. In Japan, it sells a lot. Daisy's tossing boots. Huey, Dewey, and Louie are pole climbing in Verona. It sells well. And so Kemco says, all right, let's release Donald Duck in America. But the problem is, in America, Capcom 
has the exclusive rights to any and all Disney video games. So how do Kemco release the Donald Duck game in the US? They're like, crap, we need more rights. We need, we need something cheap to put on top of Donald Duck. So Alternative World Games, which was released for the PC, was overlaid with Donald Duck and Friends and released as the game Donald Duck in Japan. But for America, they can't release the Donald Duck game. So they just slapped Snoopy and Friends on top of Donald Duck. Hey. So that's in 1990, the NES game Snoopy's Silly Sports Spectacular was released. It was an overlay of an overlay of a bizarre PC game. So in America, Snoopy and Woodstock threw boots at the Roman Coliseum, and Snoopy and his brother Spike from Needles, California, are pole dancing in Verona, Italy. This is what Kemco became known for. Okay. Uh, releasing games in japan trying to release them in america saying shit we legally can't and then just slapping whatever they could afford on top of the characters <laughs> that brings us to the hardest part of the story to explain the okay. saga of crazy castle crazy castle when I was in, what, like junior high school, high school, I had the game on the Game Boy, Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle. I had it and I played it all the time. It was a fun, interesting puzzle game and you were Bugs Bunny and you had to grab all of the carrots without letting any of the bad guy Looney Tunes characters touch you. Don't let Sylvester touch you. Don't let uh, Wile E. Coyote catch you. Don't let... Elmer Fudd catched you, and it was a bizarre puzzle game, and and and, and it was really interesting. But one thing that always uh, made me wonder is uh, um, the game was surprisingly hard. How and why would they make a Bugs Bunny, a difficult Bugs Bunny puzzle game? Like, I always wondered, this is a fun game, but, like, why is it Bugs Bunny? Why? <laughs> I'm so confused. How did this game come about? Well, okay, let's talk about the game. Um, Kemco, in 1989, got the rights to release a Roger Rabbit game in Japan. Okay. And so they released a puzzle game where Roger Rabbit is collecting hearts and avoiding the evil weasels. And if the weasels touch you, you die. The game sold like crazy in Japan. And everyone in Japan loved the game Roger Rabbit. So Kemco said, great, let's release Roger Rabbit in America. The problem was, so they said, hey, uh, this isn't a Disney game. And we ran into problems with that before with alternative world games. But now we're releasing a Roger Rabbit game. And Roger Rabbit isn't uh, Disney. Roger Rabbit is touchstone pictures, so we should be able to get away with this. But the problem was there was already a game for the NES called Roger Rabbit. So okay. Nintendo told them, Kemco, you cannot release another game called Roger Rabbit. You can't release a Roger Rabbit game that already exists. Come up with something else. And they were like, and Kemco said, well, we're, we'll need to come up with a cheap alternative 
to Roger Rabbit. What other rabbits are popular in the United States? And that's how the game Roger Rabbit became Bugs Bunny's crazy castle in America for the Game Boy and the Nintendo Entertainment System. Okay. So Roger Rabbit, the game, is selling really well in Japan. And then Bugs Bunny's crazy castle, which is basically the same game, but with Bugs Bunny instead of Roger Rabbit, sells great in America. So they need to do a sequel. So they go back to Japan and they're like, we're going to do a sequel to Roger Rabbit. But the problem is, by the time they decide to go back to Japan and do a sequel to Roger Rabbit, Kemco has lost the rights to Roger Rabbit. Okay. So uh, the sequel to Roger Rabbit in Japan ends up being... So So uh, Disney says, hey, we're Disney, we own Touchstone. You, you've lost the rights to Roger Rabbit. But hey, that Roger Rabbit game sold pretty well. And uh, you guys are doing pretty good. Would you like Mickey? We'll give you Mickey now. <laughs> okay. So in Japan, the sequel to Roger Rabbit was called Mickey Mouse. It was a continuation of the Roger Rabbit series, but now it starred Mickey Mouse instead of Roger Rabbit. And the game Mickey Mouse sells great in Japan. And they say, okay, well, then we'll release it in, in America. But, of course, they can't release Mickey Mouse in America because uh, Capcom still has the Disney rights. So they say, fine, Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle sold great in America. We'll release Mickey Mouse the sequel to Roger Rabbit in Japan as Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle 2 in America. And, and, uh, and so then they say, okay, well, then we'll also release this in Europe because uh, this is, these games are selling great in Japan and these games are selling great in America. We'll release these games too in, in Europe as well. But in Europe, Kemco decides, I don't know if Mickey Mouse or Bugs Bunny are going to be successful in Europe. So in Europe, they release... Mickey Mouse, a.k.a. Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle 2, as a game called Hugo, based on the popular European character Hugo the Troll. It was believed that Hugo the Troll would sell better than Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse. So to be clear, the game Mickey Mouse, the sequel to Roger Rabbit, is released in America as Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle 2, but also released as Hugo in Europe. So this is an overlay of an overlay of an overlay of an overlay. Yeah. Somewhere, Christopher Nolan has a hard-on. <laughs> so for the third game, here's where it gets confusing. For the third game in the series in Japan, they release it as Mickey Mouse 3. Okay. There was not a Mickey Mouse 2. But the way that Kemco sees it, Roger Rabbit was technically Mickey Mouse 1, and their sequel to that called Mickey Mouse is Mickey Mouse 2. So after yes. Mickey Mouse, they Mickey Mouse 3. Does that make sense? Kind of? Kind of. Okay. So for the third game, 
for the, so for the third Crazy Castle game in Japan, they released Mickey Mouse 3 uh, in Japan. But in the U.S., they don't release Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle 3 because Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle 2 did not sell as well as Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle 3. But they still want to release... Mickey Mouse 3, a.k.a. Mickey Mouse 2, in America. So in 1992, they come up with a 100% original character and release a game for that character in America. So in America, Mickey Mouse 3 is released as Kid Clown in Nightmare World. Okay. Clear. That's Kid Clown with two Ks. So this, so Kid Clown is one more K away from being a member of the Trump administration. Yes. And the game is not Nightmare World. It's Nightmare World. So I guess in Japan, maybe there's a mayor for the daytime, and then there's a mayor for the nighttime. I don't know. Maybe. But it's Kid Clown with a K in Nightmare World, a reskin of Mickey Mouse 3, which should technically be Mickey Mouse 2. Um, if you're not confused yet, then just wait. Because Mickey Mouse 3 sold so well in Japan that they released Mickey Mouse 4 in Japan. And then they think, what are we going to do about an American version? We can't do Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle 4 because in America, they never had Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle 3. And we can't release Kid Clown in Nightmare World 2 because nobody bought Kid Clown in Nightmare World 2. So what do we do to release Mickey Mouse 4 in America without using Bugs Bunny, without using Kid Clown, and without using... Uh, uh, any Disney characters, which we don't have the rights to. What character can we get on the cheap? So in 1993, four years after the last movie came out, uh, uh, the video game company releases the fourth Crazy Castle game in America as the real Ghostbusters, the game. Okay. So Crazy Castle 4, which was Mickey Mouse 4 in Japan, is released in America as the real Ghostbusters, the game. And then they say, okay, now let's get this game and put it in Europe. Wait, the Ghostbusters are an American thing. No person in England or Ireland are going to give a crap about a Ghostbusters game. We need something different from for Europe. What do they care about? So in Europe... They release the game as Garfield's Labyrinth Adventure. Okay. Garfield is trapped in a maze and he's fighting ghosts. It makes no sense. But Garfield, yeah, Garfield is in an endless maze surrounded by ghosts. Why? Who cares? We did it for cheap and that's the Chemco motto. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So then by the time Chemco releases... Mickey Mouse 5 in Japan, Capcom loses the rights to Disney games. And so once again, Kemco goes to America and says, hey, we've got Mickey Mouse 5 and we'd like to release it in America. And we know we can't release it as Mickey Mouse 5. So, but Disney says, no, you can do that now. 
Nobody has the rights to make Disney games at the moment. You want to release Mickey Mouse 5, you can. And so Kemco is like, oh, great, then we'll release Mickey Mouse 5. Wait, shit, no one has played Mickey Mouse 1 through 4. What the fuck are we going to do now with Mickey Mouse 5? So in America, Mickey Mouse 5 was released on the Game Boy as Mickey Mouse's Magic Wands. And then for the sixth game in the Crazy Castle series, uh, in Japan, they dropped Mickey Mouse to create their own character because it was getting expensive because now they're on Mickey Mouse 6. And it's like, well, it it was pretty expensive to release Mickey Mouse 1 through 5, even though they never really released Mickey Mouse 2, but that's beside the point. So So they create their own character for Mickey Mouse 6 in Japan. So... Mickey Mouse 6 is released as Go Go Kid. And then they say, okay, so what do we do with the game Go Go Kid in America? And inexplicably, for the sixth game, they decide to release it as Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castles 3. Okay. The sixth game in the franchise. And then they decide, and then Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle 3. Apparently, so much time has passed between Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle 2 and Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle 3 that Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle 3 actually sells really good in America, whereas no one in Japan knows who the fuck Go Go Kid is. So Go Go Kid doesn't sell well. But now the Crazy Castle series is selling well in America again. So they released Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle 4, which is technically the seventh game in the Crazy Castle series. They were release it as Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle 4 in America, and that sells so well that they're like, okay, I guess we're just making Crazy Castle games for America now. So for the seventh game in the series, they release it in America as Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle 5, but now there's a problem. Bugs Bunny is back, and he's popular, and he has a TV show out now and they're working on a movie and suddenly Kemco can no longer afford the cheap ass Bugs Bunny rights because now the Bugs Bunny rights are through the roof so what are they to do so for Crazy Castle 6 they release it in America as Woody Woodpecker's Crazy Castle 5 and to be clear (laughs) that game in 2003 this whole goddamn story has gone from the 80s to nearly the nows yes but that is the story of Kemco and the Crazy Castle series it is complicated and confusing but I'll tell you something Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castles is a damn good video game it is surprisingly (laughs) it is a surprisingly difficult puzzle game you gotta collect the carrots avoid the bad guys you can't jump you can't uh it it, it is a difficult game and you really gotta think i haven't played any of the other games in the crazy castle series probably because it's confusing af it sounds it but it's amazing to think of the fact that a six series video game featured Roger Rabbit, Mickey Mouse, Bugs Bunny, the real Ghostbusters, some troll from England, Garfield, the Ghostbusters, and Woody Woodpecker. What the (laughs) hell is that? 
that is bizarre. There's also a weird uh, there's also a weird uh, uh, connection there because when they did the animated TV show The Real Ghostbusters, they wanted someone who sounded like Bill Murray, so they got Lorenzo Music to do the voice of Bill Murray. Yeah, and Lorenzo Music was also the voice of Garfield. But then Lorenzo Music, who was the voice of fake Bill Murray in the Ghostbusters cartoon and Garfield in the Garfield cartoon, died. And then they decided to make a live-action Garfield movie, and they got Bill Murray to do the voice of Garfield. (laughs) And apparently Bill Murray only agreed to do the voice of Garfield because he heard that, like, oh, yeah, Lorenzo Music used to do the voice of Garfield. And he used to do my voice. And I met him a couple of times, and he was a nice guy. And now he's dead, and they're making a Garfield movie? Fuck. I'll do the voice of Garfield. He did it as a tribute to Lorenzo Music, who had died. So good for him. Yeah. But what a strange, bizarre story. Crazy Castle. I'm going to be playing that game this week on my YouTube channel. And, and, well, Lorenzo, and really... Lorenzo Music, just in general, was huge on... Te- in television in his day yeah. you know he yeah. was he was carlton the doorman the drunk doorman from the rota show but he was actually yes. the producer and he, i'm pretty sure he produced the bob newhart show too and a lot of shows in that like same time frame yeah yeah lorenzo music he, he was a yeah and then and then by the time like i was a kid he basically was a voiceover actor in every cartoon I ever saw. Yeah. He was one of those voice actors who was just everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's the story of the Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle series. And also the reason why Snoopy throws boots in Italy. Yes. So. I find that to be out. Absolutely fascinating. No idea what I'm talking about, but whatever it is, it's going to be weird. So join us next week for more educationally uneducational fun with Steve's Historic Approximations. And cut on that. Bunny. Yes. We still have a movie to talk about. A very exciting movie filled with uh adventure action romance true love ears heartache drama and maybe we'll all learn something along the way yes but before we get to any of that maybe we should take a break shouldn't we take a break we should take a break okay i concur we will be right back with more of the Pope on film after this. Do 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 and break and break. Bob Kent is like you, but Bob will tell you this. You haven't got long before you all try to kill yourselves. Because you're crazy. And you can put your back at the 
Bob. Bob is only what lives inside of each and every one of you. I like these posts in the rants and raves section of the Oklahoma City Craigslist page because it, I, I guess it's just justifying my beliefs. People are horrible. The headline is USA and Mexico. God, okay. Uh, all right. I'm going to keep a positive attitude towards this. I was visiting with a blood relative who was married to a Mexican. And the relative brought up Trump and the wall. The relative was irritated that Trump thinks Mexico will pay for the wall. Being a nice relative, I just listened and was told Mexico hates Trump. I feel as if I have stumbled onto something. Go Trump, go, baby. Build that beautiful wall. So happy to be a brown-skinned individual. In the Bible Belt. Gee, I feel so uh, welcomed and invited. Just feel so warm. People are treating me so nice here. It's like, man, they make sure to put their sights on me first. It's like I have red dots all around me from their sniper rifles. Yay! I'm going to get me a pickup truck and a dog and a shotgun. I'll start saying y'all. I need I need to go whiteface. I'm gonna live here any longer. Really excited about that. A one, two, three, four. You look so pretty next to somebody else. I'll tell you, I'll just tell you. You look so pretty when you walk over. I'll tell you, I'll just tell you that when I see you next to me, sitting two seats away, with the space in between, cause you're nervous around me, I think you're pretty, I think you're pretty.
Hey everybody, it's me, Dabney. You know the rest. The Church of Edward and Undead Cow Studios are proud to bring you a new semi-regular segment called Exciting New Death Scenarios. The Fukushima nuclear plant in Japan opens up these exciting possibilities for new death scenarios. First up, those suffering depression and suicidal thoughts have a new option by simply eating the tuna. Of course, in America, you could still just buy a gun. For the rest of us, the Hodiako Redback Bowl is becoming super intelligent and will conquer the world. That would be the Republican Party for our friends in America. And with a purposeful grimace and a terrible smell, the remarkably growing odds of death by Godzilla. Climate change can also have its fun. In the Bronx, you'll have the opportunity to be killed by a polar bear as they are forced out of their natural habitat. Would you like, would you like to combine death with pleasure? You can march with thousands of others to your death by visiting beautiful Florida resorts. Want to show the world how badass you are? Why not a badass death? Rising temperatures makes it as easy as pie. Just leave your house without putting on sunscreen. In other new and interesting ways to die, if you want to be killed by this, this, or this, go out dressed like this, this, or this. Increased fracking wildly ups the odds for dying in an earthquake, and becoming a protester wildly ups the odds for dying by vehicular homicide. And of course, gluten. In a recent Gallup poll, 20% of those asked said they would rather die from free government guns than living through another soul-sucking day. 30% said they'd rather die resisting than bow down to a megalomaniac, and 43% said they would rather let their internal organs fail instead of being thrown out on the streets. So I hope you enjoyed the all-new and exciting death scenarios, but remember, if you're old-fashioned, there's always the white Christian male. Hi, I'm Reverend Steve. Now, I know you love OSI 74, and so do I, but what about that soul-sucking commute to the rancid cluster boil you call a job? The Pope on Film can help. It's an awesome podcast. Each week, we cover a random film for your pleasure. Visit us at popeonfilm.com for more info. The Pope on Film, your alternative to suicide. Are you a woman in the Utah area looking for ugly clothing? Then stop on down to the Black Dress Warehouse. We are Utah's leading supplier of black or dark gray dresses. Do you want to look like a housewife? Do you want to look like a woman who is suffering depression or is possibly mourning the loss of a, of a loved one? Or perhaps you're a woman being haunted by the grim specter of death. If you are, then come on down to Black Dress Warehouse. We sell black dresses, and that's it. Off of Route 9 and Main Street, Black Dress Warehouse. Oh, oh. 
you think you're ready Fall down to Crazy Eddie The man who's got most everything Stereo sound His audio selection Wally with your perfection He's the man with all the lowest prices around So come on down and put him to the test See whose prices really are the best Who fix you up with the sound of your place And guarantee a smile upon your face Need a new stereo color TV CB? Call 645-1196 for the most ridiculous prices ever during Crazy Eddie's Christmas sale. In August? You don't have to imagine that we're back, because we are.
Yes, Bunny, my friend, it is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Film podcast to casually stroll on in to the third and final act of the Pope on Film podcast, and it is said third act, wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our low-cost, high-strength, and finally available without a prescription movie of the week. And this week, we are once again... For the fifth year in a row, discussing the 1972 kids movie that has become a staple of the show every Christmas season, Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny. Yes. Bunny, I, I crunched the numbers. We did this movie in episode 205, in episode 105, episode 154, episode 198, episode 241, and now in episode 285. So that well, would mean not, that we did this movie. That's not each hmm? the actual movie. We've, we've, we've still only done the movie only five times. That sounded more like five, yes. more than five episodes. Yeah. No, no. For the fifth, uh, uh, we did the first episode in 2016. And starting in 2016, we have done it every year. Yes. Yes. So episode 105 and... Episode 154 in 2017, episode 198 in 2018, episode 241 in 2019, and now episode 285. We've been doing this podcast for a while. Yes. We started this podcast in 2014. So this is our history here, Bonnie. This is our history. Yes, it is. So, yes, Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny. Uh, the film, uh, uh, this phenomenally bad movie, we are once again, uh, our annual tradition of discussing this film. And I I would like to take this time once again, once again, as I have done every year, I would once again like to say that I have written a completely all new set of notes for this episode. Yes. I don't want people listening to this or watching this on Facebook to think that I've just saved some old ripped up notes from 2016 and I'm using those notes every single solitary time we do Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny. No, entirely all new set of notes every year. Yes. I will be saying and doing things in this episode that you have definitely never heard me say or do before because this is an all new look at Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny. Okay? Okay? It's fucking me up every time you say that because I picture Bunny. Like Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny Williams? Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. Maybe he's driving around in a little ice cream truck. And Santa's there like, oh, it's so hot. Oh, my reindeer left. I don't know what to do. Then suddenly, then suddenly you see a cloud of smoke. And Bunny Williams is just there like smoking weed. Got just the thing for him, my man. And he's like, hey, I got something that'll make you fly. <laughs> yeah. So Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny. This week's movie is so bad that a lot of people, 
including some bad movie lovers, have never even heard of this movie, let alone seen it. It's an under-the-radar bad movie, Bunny. Yes. What I would say, definitely, for the first time. Now, here comes the difficult part. How to explain this week's movie without sounding completely insane? The basic plot of Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny uh, focuses on Santa Claus, who, it should be noted, rates a 9.5 on the Joe Don Baker sweat meter. Yes. This is a joke I have never said before. Yes. First time saying that. <laughs> Ever. Santa crashes his sled on a beach in Florida. That's Florida the state and not Flo Rida the rapper. This is definitely something that I wrote in 2020 and not in 2016 where it would have made more sense. No, yes. I wrote that now. Yes, you did. So Santa crashes his uh, sled on the beach and the reindeer try and get him out, and they can't. But then the heat is too much for the reindeer, so the reindeer leave him. I hope to God that when Santa gets back to the North Pole, he fires those sons of bitches. Okay. But here's my question, okay? Yes. Was this the first year that Florida had sand? It's <laughs> a good question. That is a good question. How did he manage every other year? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and why and... did he dress like that if he knew he was going to Florida and probably probably Havana after? Santa hates sand Dress so for the much. weather, Santa. Santa hates sand so much. He's at he his level of hatred for sand is best described as an Anakin. As an Anakin, that is pretty high rating. That's how much he hates sand. So a bunch of different uh, people, primarily animals, try and get him out of the sand. Uh, some kids try and get him out. A gorilla tries to get him out. Yes. A donkey and other animals from a theme park petting zoo. Perhaps <coughs> yes, try and get exactly. him from the sand, and they can't. So uh, Santa decides to say, "Oh, I'm never going to give up, kids." Just like this story that I'd like to tell you. And then suddenly, inexplicably, out of nowhere, a whole different movie breaks out. Yes. And this movie within a movie is actually much longer than all of this Santa nonsense. Uh, the movie is so when it gets to the movie within a movie, you either get one of two movies, either you get the story of Jack and the Beanstalk, which I'm a big fan of because that, uh, version of Santa Claus and the ice cream bunny is much shorter. Yeah. Or you get the story of Thumbelina. And I like the Thumbelina one because in the Thumbelina version, you get to actually visit the pirate themed theme park in Florida that all of this has been filmed at. Now, yes. this is a, a, a theme park in Florida pre-Disney bastardization. They visit Pirate Land Amusement Park for no reason whatsoever. So, so, so a kid in the movie Thumbelina, which is sometimes shown in the middle of Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny, 
a girl visits Pirate World and then imagines the story of Thumbelina. So in a way, it's a movie within a movie within a movie. It's crapception. Yeah. Is what it is. So this, so so here are some stats for you. Again, stats I've never said before. This is a 1972 kids movie, and it's important to note that throughout the 60s and 70s, and even the 80s, it definitely seems like the powers that be in Hollyweird seem to think, hey, let's make a movie for kids. Now let's remember the important rule about making a movie for children. Children are stupid, so we don't need to try that hard. Oh, yeah. hi, Santa Claus conquers the Martians. I didn't see you there. Oh, look, you brought Mac and me. That's fine. So <laughs> in order to fully get to the bottom of Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny, we need to talk about a specific movie genre, the type of movie genre you wouldn't expect to, to, to be talking about when talking about a kid's movie about Santa Claus and Ice Cream Bunny. So you found a thing. We are going to be talking about Nudie Cuties. Nudie Cuties, yes. Hope on Film Podcast, kicking it up a notch. So Nudie Cuties, Nudie Cuties were softcore nude movies from primarily the 50s and 60s that feature ample toplessness, select bottomness, bottomlessness, no vagina. No, their body was missing. Well, no, you get to see a bit of butt, but you don't see a vagina, you don't yeah, see no, penis. Half their body was missing. Yeah, half of their body was missing. And also, the broadest humor ever to be shamelessly written into a script. Yes. Here is a list of some nudie cutie movies, and I'd like to take this time to say, before I read this list, I did not make up too many of the names. Uh, Nudies on the Moon, The Monster of Camp Sunshine, Nudies at the Slaughterhouse, Ooh, yes. Nudie Homicide Detective, Naked University, Naked USA, Topless Iron Workers. Okay, never mind. I made up the majority of those names. This is a bit. Again. Naked University was still a really good one. I've never heard this bit before. Yeah, I've never done this bit before. So, uh, Nudie Cuties were a thing. The type of thing that would be viewed in dimly lit grindhouse theaters by single men in long trench coats in in parts of New York before they became M&M stores. Yes. Well, uh, uh, many of you might be wondering how we get from uh, nudies at the slaughterhouse to Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny. We're almost there. So a leading director in the world of nudie cuties was a guy by the name of Barry Mahon. Yes. I think the H in his last name is silent, but I believe that all letters matter. Yes. So I produce all letters. Like the classic kids book, Nuffle Bunny. I don't say that. I pronounce the K in the beginning. So I always read it, Knuffle Bunny. And kids get angry at me and they say, oh, it's Nuffle Bunny. And I'm like, oh, so you're just going to forget the K in the beginning? All letters matter, kids. It's Knuffle Bunny. And this is Barry Mahon. He was a veteran. He was in WWII, as Dick Miller calls it, in Gremlins. 
and I know this because of Wikipedia, he was a, in World War II and he was kidnapped by the Germans and he managed to escape. They made a movie about it and you probably haven't heard of it before. It's called The Great Escape. Yes. It was written about the guy who made Santa Claus and the ice cream pudding. <laughs> That's why you see like the dashing hero and it's like, we're going to get out of here. But first, ice cream. Yes. That's why there's so many ice cream bunnies in The Great Escape. Mm-hmm. So, but, but, Leonardo DiCaprio did a great fucking job portraying him. Yeah, yeah, he was amazing. Brilliant. He was am- I love that movie so much. Uh <laughs> Barry Mahon directed over 60 films in his lifetime. He was also a very prolific producer in junk. He made a lot of nudie cuties. Uh, here are, uh, these are all ones that, these are all actual titles of movies he directed. Forbidden Flesh, Sex Club Intern, Nudia Go-Go, Swinging Nurses, The Love Cult, Nudes on Tiger Reef, The Beast That Killed Women, which I have seen. Bottoms up, and my favorite sounding one, The Diary of Knockers McCalla. <laughs> Such a good name for a movie, damn. But he also directed such great non-nudie stinkers as Pagan Island, Cuban Rebel Girls, and, pause for dramatic effect, Rocket Attack USA! Oh, which was featured in a very early episode of Mystery Science Theater. It was season two, so it was a Joel, so you know it was a good one. Welpers, the story goes thusly. In the late 1960s in Dania, Florida, which is apparently a place, they opened up a 78-acre theme park called Pirate's World, and uh, it, it... musically it was a big deal for a small period in time because it had rides and roller coasters and theme park sort of stuff but it was also a concert venue and it was a very big concert venue Led Zeppelin played there in 1969 The Grateful Dead played there in 1970 David Bowie played there in 1972 Pirate's World was the fucking place to be man that is awesome they did good money until uh, the 70s when uh, Disney said, yes, uh, we will be opening up our own theme park. I know you like Disneyland in California, but now we're going to the East Coast with our new park, which will be bigger than Disneyland. We're calling it Disney World, and it will be the first ever theme park ever in Florida. And Pirates World is like, hello, we're, we're over here. We're, we're a thing, have been, for, for uh, over a decade. Yes. So Pirate's World is suddenly struggling, and the owners are desperate to try and bring people into their park, and the idea that they came up with is to make a series of fairly cheap movies in and around the park, and the movies would serve as a sort of advertisement for their failing theme park, and as it just so happens at the time... Uh, Mr. Nudie Cutie Barry Mahon was uh, just jumping into the kitty 
uh, cheapy film around this time. He made a very low-budget Wizard of Oz movie um, in 1969 called The Wonderful Land of Oz. And he was looking for a place to make it. And he was like, hey, uh, Pirate World, how much would it cost to make a cheap movie here? And they said, yeah, you can make your movie in here. And they released the movie. And um, the dude was such a... uh, I guess the best word is liar. I don't know. He he, yeah. he was a carnival barker to try and get people interested in his movies. And he had the balls to tell the press, to tell Variety, he was in talks to have Judy Garland appear in the movie, which was, of course, yeah. fucking shit. But you got to admire the balls on the man in order to, to, like, to have such... He's such a amazing liar if he was still alive he would definitely be a part of the trump administration yes so after the oz movie uh barry mahon made a series of movies with pirates world as his center there was musical mutiny which was a documentary about a free iron butterfly concert I had seen parts of it on YouTube and it was really interesting because it's like, here's Iron Butterfly singing in the Cata de Vida. Here's a shot of people in the audience. Here's in a Cata de Vida again. Here's a slide at Pirate World. And the entire <laughs> movie is like this. And it's like, it's like Barry Mahon specifically directed it with the intent of featuring as much of the theme park as he could. Because at yes. this point in time, the theme park were like, hey, it's it's like if six flags just said hey ed wood you want to make movies in our theme park and so ed wood is making like a bride of the monster about a monster that attacks the viper roller coaster yeah you know it's like a symbiotic relationship. Barry Mahon is getting money to make movies as long as he advertises Pirate World. And and so it's kind of cute. There's Jack and the Beanstalk. There's uh, Thumbelina. And all three of these movies came out in 1970. By 1971, Walt Disney World was open to people and uh, uh, Pirate's World was in serious financial jeopardy. So they decided to do one more movie in order to advertise pirate world but they had no money for a new movie so instead of creating a new movie they added a bunch of cheap new scenes to the crappy movies that they already made and that is the story of santa claus and the ice cream bunny it's really interesting uh especially the fact that for the longest period in time like there were two movies there was santa claus and the ice cream bunny with jack and the beanstalk and there was santa claus and the ice cream bunny with thumbelina Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny with Jack and the Beanstalk was not that popular. Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny with Thumbelina was pretty popular. So for the longest time, it was believed that the Jack and the Beanstalk version was lost. And I had not seen the Jack and the Beanstalk version up until this year. Yes. Usually, we do the Thumbelina version. Last year, I watched the Thumbelina version while Bunny watched the Rift Tracks live version which featured the rare Jack and the Beanstalk yes. version. So this year is the first year that we're both on the same page. Bunny, what are your thoughts on Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny with Jack and the Beanstalk as opposed to Thumbelina? It was horrible. 
It was horrible, and it was so laughably horrible in so many different spots. <coughs> I mean, I, I, there were some parts that were more well, entertaining than others. I will say I like what? Hey, I like the Jack and the Doc version better than the Thumbelina version. Is what I will gladly say. It's hard picking and I, a favorite. And I can back it's hard out. picking can... a favorite because there's so there's so much more fun I can poke at this one. You know. Yeah. Then the thumbnail one, so I can I don't know. back up my claim. Let me say I think the thumbnail. I can back up my claim. One, the Jack and the Beanstalk one is better. I think the Thumbelina one had more production value. Can we agree on that one? Yes, but let me tell you the important reason why I like the Jack and the Beanstalk one better. It's a half hour shorter. Okay. Well, that's fair. And that's really important to me. <coughs> because it, it, the Jack and the Beanstalk, Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny is about an hour and 10. And the Thumbelina version is almost an hour and 40. Yeah. So that so automatically the Jack and the Beanstalk one wins. Okay. But yeah, I think the 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 when it comes to quality, probably the Thumbelina one is is just done better. Where this was a fucking train wreck. Amusingly this like a, so. This is like an eighth grade theater production, is what this is. I really got a kick out of the kid that played Jack because he definitely seemed as if he learned theater from going to the summer camp from Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah. <laughs> I could picture him in that camp. 100%. That Jewish summer camp. The props in general looked like those things that you get from Michael's and they're just kind of like forms and you yeah. could definitely get like a goose I'm pretty sure but like they didn't have Michael's back then yeah but they're just like cardboard and then if you leave them leave them in the trunk of your car for a couple of days you forget about them you take them out you look they look like the props that were in this fucking movie yeah the harp and the goose in particular yeah, the entire thing reeked of we're filming this at a theme park using five sets from other theme park productions. Yes. This seemed less like a movie and more like we already do a stage show of Jack and the Beanstalk at the park for the little kids. We're just going to film it this time. Yes. Is what this movie looked like. This, uh, so you mean that they always, and not just for this movie, but always thought that you make somebody look, you make somebody look giant by putting them in a really big chair? That was really <laughs> confusing. That was really confusing. You're making, making him look littler. Yeah. 
<laughs> and it definitely seemed like he did not have that good of a singing voice and that he was mouthing someone else who was a better singer. Oh, yeah? Yeah. In the whole movie, he's like, I smell something! I, I, I smell an Englishman! I will eat him and smash him! Oh, I will defeat the bad guy. Ah! It seemed definitely like yeah. he was really vanillying this. Yeah. You want to know the, the most surprising thing I learned, Bunny? What? Okay. The kid who played Jack, in the, in the credits, he is listed as Michel Paulos. He grew up to be a small-time character actor. He was in L.A. Law, Arrested Development, General Hospital, 30 Rock, Blue Bloods. He's still doing acting. Wow. Motherfucker's alive? He was in 30 Rock, for shit's sake. All small parts, for sure. But the fact that someone attached to Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny actually had a career and a decent IMDb page is surprising as fuck. Yes, it is. Now yes, it he's is. Mitch Paulos, and he gets work. He's got stuff in pre-production on his IMDb page. Motherfucker's an actor now. I was blown away by this. Good on him. I I, I would right? like to hear his thoughts. Yeah. The, the guy reeks of high school theater, but he, he made a living out of it. He didn't do anything else in the 70s, but like 1989, he started appearing in little things. And now he still does. He's still doing acting and doing work in small parts and TV shows and movies and stuff. Like, fucking good on you, Jack. Jack is a guy <laughs> He's still alive, still acting. Fucking good on you. Yeah. Blew my mind. Blew my goddamn balls off. Yes. But yeah, this movie is shit. This movie is 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 total shit. But well, first off, the story is shit. Jack yes. and the Beanstalk, right off the bat, is just kind of a shit story. Yeah. Okay. First, I don't really think a cloud would support a giant and his castle. Okay. I've always had a bit of a problem there. Uh, and it really doesn't make a difference exactly how mean the giant is. Because the giant yeah. basically keeps to himself. Yeah. Just him and his wife. He's not bothering anybody. But yeah. Jack decides to rob the beans, climb up the beanstalk, steal his shit, and somehow the giant's the bad guy. Yeah. I've always had a bit of a problem with that. Yeah, he's breaking in. He is breaking in. To the uh, ooh, that's nice. He's breaking into the that's giant's castle. The the giant isn't fucking with anybody, you know. Yeah. 
the Giants doing his own thing. And also, the ice cream bunny is essentially the David S. Pumpkins of this movie. Yeah. Like in the skit, the original skit on Saturday Night Live, they're at this horror night's theme park. Welcome to 100 Floors of Frights. And the couple is all scared of everything. Then suddenly they see David F. David S. Pumpkins and they're like, it's like scared, speechless. No, we're just trying to get our heads around David S. Pumpkins. Are we supposed to know who he is? Is he in some local commercial? <laughs> who is David S. Pumpkins? And that's exactly the ice cream bunny. Like, who are you? Yeah. You're not an established thing. Something tells me in my heart of hearts <laughs> that the ice cream bunny was like the uh, the mascot of Pirate World. Yes. And that his appearance is supposed to be, a, oh yeah, it's the ice cream bunny, the mascot of Pirate World, the theme park that you should all be going to instead of Disney World. Yes. But I have no proof of this. It's difficult to find information about Pirate World. But the place looks awesome. Or it looked awesome, because it's not a thing anymore. It closed down in 1973. Yeah. Crushed by Disney. Yeah. Uh, it... it... It was eventually bought in the land was bought in 1978 and they were going to build a biblical theme park there, but that fell through the goddamn doors played there in 1972. <laughs> Frank Zappa played there in 73. Like this was the fucking cool place to go. Steve Miller band, Grand Funk Railroad, Jethro Tull. Deep Purple, Three Dog Night, Alice Cooper, Steely Dan, fucking, that is awesome. Dude, I want to I wanna go back in time to the freaking 70s and go hang out at Pirate World. <laughs> Dude, I want to go get, I want to go get high and see David Bowie right next to the log flume ride. Yes. <laughs> it's my new freaking dream. Pirate World. Yes. So I like the Thumbelina one because you see more of Pirate World. It has that whole opening credit sequence and everything. There's no opening credits for this one for Jack and the Beanstalk. No. In the middle of the movie. It's weird that you, like, you're watching a movie in 20... It, with Thumbelina, it's weird that you're watching a movie and then 20 minutes into the movie, you see the credits for a different movie. Yes. Like, wow, that was a real, real switcheroo there. <laughs> but I, Jack and the Beanstalk, this, this was... This was cute. You know, I don't. And also, I the thing I like about the Jack and the Beanstalk one, too, is that I don't know the Thumbelina story for shit. Yeah. I know. I know. I knew exactly what was going to happen in Jack and the Beanstalk. And yeah. it was shorter. 
And the and and the kid. The they guy got to... who was selling the beans was rather on the amusing side. Yeah, and then the guy who they got to play Jack just stunk of music, of high school theater. Yes. Kid had a high school theater stink all over him, and and I don't know. I like the Jack and the Beanstalk version. I like it. It was cute. You know. Yeah, I, I just find it funny that we have somebody dressed up as an actual character, the bean seller, with his clothes and everything. And the next guy standing next to him, polyester pants, just <laughs> button-down shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I liked that. It really did seem like all of the people in this movie were just employees of Pirate World. Same yes. with Thumbelina. Same with Thumbelina. I I find that charming in a bizarre way. <laughs> so that's all I got for Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny. To be clear, all of that was brand new. And you'll never hear that again. True. But just to be on the safe side, maybe if you're hearing this episode, episode 285 of the Pope on film, you know, you don't have to go back to episode 241 or episode 198 or episode 154 or episode 105. You don't have to go back to those because every episode that we've done Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny, 100% different. Thousand percent different. Yes. There's no point in, in in going back to the other episodes to see if they're similar because they're not. Take my word for it. I'm a podcaster. Yes. So there you go. That's all I've got. Bunny. Yes. This is the last episode of the Pope on Film for 2020, and I just wanted to take some time and to let you know that I appreciate you. I appreciate you doing this podcast with me and still doing this podcast with me. You mean a lot to me and this podcast means a lot to me. And I thank you for still, you know, sticking with me. Even though we don't have listeners or anything. Yeah. Yeah, No, it's fun. It's It's a, you know, it's a once a week thing. It's get together with a friend, have a little fun. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, that's kind of how I view it. Listeners yeah. would be nice, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. You so, know. But I with appreciate this... you saying so. Thank you. Good. This episode is the last episode of the season. From this point on, we are finally out of the holidays, and we can get back to watching normal movies. Yes. Bunny. In November, I discovered a Christian movie that came out this year that is so fucking horrible. And I haven't mentioned it. And I've just been waiting, waiting and waiting for the holidays to be done so that we could do it for the podcast. Okay? Okay. The movie is called... Assassin 33 AD. Is it it is a Christian okay. sci-fi film 
And I haven't put it yet on our shared cough cough, but I will right after we're done with this. Let me tell you the plot, okay? Evil Muslims go back in time to kill Jesus, and Christians have to stop them. Oh my god. Just imagine Back to the Future, but in biblical times. Yeah. I'm so excited to watch this piece of shit. There oh, are the a setup lot of... is racist as shit. Oh yeah, no, the entire thing is fucking crazy ass racist. But um, there are some really good reviews of this movie online, which tells me that every single solitary crew member has left a review. Okay. But um, not a lot of people know about this movie. It's super under the radar, probably because it's it's a racist as fuck Christian sci-fi film. But I have been dying to watch this. And I've been waiting until we do it for the podcast. I'm super excited. Next week, we're doing the Christian sci-fi film Assassin 33 AD. Okay. And I'm so excited. So very excited. Okay, we... We might want to might want to post some of those reviews. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited Leading to be watching the show. <laughs> yeah, super excited to be watching this horrible movie. So that's next week. But now that I look back at this week, oh man, the highs and the lows, the ups and the downs, the crazy castle series. Yes, Clapton or crew. So many uh, wonderful moments. I gotta say, I think this last episode of the year was a pretty good episode. This was a damn good episode. Okay, good. I feel I felt the same way about the episode, but I didn't want to step on your toes because you were the person who makes that distinction, not me. And I didn't want I didn't want to step on any toes. But yes, I concur. With your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steve. And on behalf of Eleanor, Maxwell, Bella, Natasha, and everybody else, I just want to say thanks for listening. And we will see you next week, you godless heathens. I need to shuffle some poopy time. And you, and you unseen Bigfoot. Unseen I'm dying. Bigfoot. This is the best day of my life. Do, 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 do. I'm Most pretty sure this cat Bigfoot. is owned by the neighbor. What? Because I have seen, I saw this cat yesterday. The neighbor was walking around from the backyard to the front yard, and I just saw the tiniest little black cat follow the neighbor. So I'm pretty sure this cat is the neighbor cat. It's cat. But as far as I can tell, the cat has been, this new cat has been fairly friendly with our cat clan of warrior cats. Well, no, baby's, baby's being an asshole. Oh, baby's being an asshole to this cat? Okay. Oh, yeah, and I'll wish Will you catch the mice? Do, 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 do,